Well, I, I do remember when I first became a, a parent, it was a little bit of a crazy season. I had uh, graduated from seminary in Dallas, Texas, uh, two days after we had our first child. And then if that wasn't crazy enough, two weeks after we moved from Dallas to Austin, Texas. And if that wasn't crazy enough, we started a brand new church. A church that didn't really pay me at the beginning, so I had to get a, a job, and I didn't just get a job, I started a business, uh, dog walking, don't be jealous, right? And I, I started doing dog walking, I hired people to walk dogs, I walked dogs, and, and I was a pastor at this time as well, trying to start this church, and my wife was working also, and, and so our six-month-old baby, we put in daycare. And don't judge me, parents, okay? I'm just here to encourage you with my struggles as a parent today, Okay. Uh, and we put her in daycare, and uh, we kind of liked the daycare, but there was a lot of kids, and we were a little bit nervous like every single day. And sure enough, we get this phone call that every mom and every parent doesn't want to get. It was this call to say, hey, your daughter, Neela, six-month-old baby, fell out of the baby swing and got a black eye. And so new parent, man, I, I rushed to that daycare, and I'm like, I'm taking my baby away from this place. Like, how does this happen? And we started looking at other daycares and just couldn't find one that fit. So as a dad, I just thought, you know what? I'm gonna take my baby with me everywhere I go. Who needs daycare? And so as a pastor, you can imagine I was having serious meetings with people and you know who was right next to me? Neela in a car seat. As I was walking dogs, you know, I had one, uh, one hand was taking a dog leash and had this big dog over here. And then one hand was pushing a stroller. Yeah, multitasking. And I was just doing what I could. And one specific day, uh, that didn't go that well um, because I was walking this big dog and I was pushing my daughter in a stroller. And in a pivotal moment, this big dog decided, I want to go play with this other big dog. And he broke free from my grasp. And as he broke free from my grasp, the stroller also broke free from my grasp. And I was going downhill. You can see where this is going. The stroller was going downhill by itself, and my baby girl was in that stroller. And so as a new parent, I just start trucking it after my baby girl and this stroller, and before I could catch her, the bush caught her. Now, she was strapped in, she's okay, she's about to turn 13 years old, okay? And she is not traumatized by that experience in the name of Jesus, right? And that's what happened. That was life for me, a little window into my life as a parent. Again, hopefully, if you're struggling as a parent, hopefully I can encourage you with my failures. But why tell you that? I tell you that because not only that day, but in that season for me as a parent, I said often, and my wife and I said often, we need help. We need help. And I think for many of you today, You've been in that spot. Maybe it is for some of you as a parent, as a mom, maybe you're in that spot right now. And you're just like, man, I'm in the throes of motherhood and I can't keep up and I do feel like I'm failing at every turn and I'm hoping they're getting Jesus in their life. That's why I bring them to church this, this time so, so other people will teach them Jesus and I try to teach them Jesus. And, but man, they don't obey me. They don't do what I say. They don't even go to bed on time. And you're just like, man, I, I need some help. 
For some of you, you do have an older child and maybe they're out of the home and they don't really talk to you or when they do, there's some awkward, awkward tension there and you're not sure if they know Jesus or you're not sure if, if your son's wife likes you. Come on, be honest today in church. And you, you're thinking, man, I, I could use some help. For some of you, it has nothing to do with kids. It's about work and unresolved conflict you have with your coworker or that promotion you wanna get and your boss doesn't even notice you. Or some of you are just like, Tim, I just like a job in general. And you may be thinking, Tim, I need some help. For some of you, it's in your friendships that over the last couple of years, you, you thought you had some best friends, you thought you had a, a community, but because of polarization, politics, and the pandemic, you're like, I'm not so sure. We just seem to be drifting apart. And if you're honest, you don't know what to do and you need some help. If that's you today, I have some good news from you from God's word. As we read God's word, we see that God sends you a helper and he's the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna talk about today, what does it look like to rely upon the Holy Spirit, to receive help from the Holy Spirit in, in our struggles, in our decisions, in our parenting, in our singleness, whatever it is for you, we're gonna look at what does that look like? You see, we've been in this series called Imperfect People, Moved by the Perfect Love of Jesus. And, and we're talking about all these marks of a disciple. Marks we want for every single one of you. If you're brand new to this church, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, these are marks we want every single one of you to embody. And we've talked about things like a gospel identity, a, a biblical framework. And today we're gonna talk about this spirit reliance. And so I wanna just tell you briefly what we mean by that. We have a definition for that. If you take notes, and here it is. Here's what we mean by spirit reliance that we want to mark your life. It's this, that your decisions and your directions in life would be shaped by a humble dependence on the Holy Spirit. Your decisions, your directions in life would all be shaped by this humble dependence on the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna take a look at that. We're gonna do so primarily from John chapter 14. So you can grab a Bible and head there with me. John 14. These are some of the last words of Jesus with his disciples. He is getting ready to leave them. He starts to explain that to them. And he starts to encourage them to say, hey, I'm sending you a helper. It's the Holy Spirit of God. John 14, 16 through 17, it says this. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So if you take notes, I'm gonna give you some things to write down. Uh, you can take your study guide and write them down in here. Today's a good day to take notes, even if you don't have this, to put them in your phone. Uh, we're gonna go through not just this passage, but I'm gonna give you a lot of verses. We're basically gonna survey the Holy Spirit on Mother's Day. Welcome to church. And so you're gonna wanna write these things down so that you can go back and read them on your own. So make sure you do that. Here's our first point. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. 
Look at John 14 again with me. We see Jesus, he's the one speaking. He's God the Son, and he's asking God the Father to send God the Holy Spirit. This is one of, not the only, example in the Bible of the Trinity. If you read the Bible, you won't see the word Trinity anywhere, but you see this doctrine all over the place, and this is one of those examples. You see Jesus, God the Son, talking to God the Father, asking God the Father to send God the Holy Spirit. It's what we, we say is God three in one, one in essence, three distinct persons, right? And the Holy Spirit is God. One of the things you'll see if you read the Gospels is Jesus over and over is submitted to the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. In fact, 70 times plus in the Gospels, you see reference the Spirit of God as it's giving the, the biography of Jesus. See, it's profound for us. Many times, if we're honest in church, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit kind of as JV and then God the Father and God the Son like they're varsity. No, 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 the Holy Spirit is, is equal to them. Jesus even submits to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Do you have a big enough view of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's God. Second, the Holy Spirit is not weird. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not weird. And yet I think for many of us, the Holy Spirit is kind of weird. Right? I think typically one, all of us fall into one of three camps when it, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Some of us, if we're honest, we don't think about the Holy Spirit. We have forgotten the Holy Spirit. Like maybe the church tradition that you grew up in, uh, maybe just in your life, you just hear about like, hey, read your Bible. Hey, follow Jesus. Hey, love people. And you're like, I got all that. Check, check, check. And the Holy Spirit's nowhere on your checklist. You don't even think about the Holy Spirit. You kind of forgot the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a book written by a guy named Francis Chan called The Forgotten God talking about the Holy Spirit. Read it, it will help you. And many of us, if we're honest, we're just like, I don't even think about the Holy Spirit, Tim. The second category I think many of us fall in is we're infatuated with the Holy Spirit. Like, all we think about is the Holy Spirit. We're thinking about it primarily as this mystical sort of out-of-body experience that maybe you had at one point in your life or in a service or when you came down to an altar and you're like, if I could just get back to that moment and Holy Spirit, please ray down like fire. Like every morning, you're just looking for that, that, that romantic sort of awe moment and you're infatuated with the Holy Spirit. And yet some of us, we're fearful of the Holy Spirit and primarily because of the people who are infatuated with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what category you fall in, but I think all of us, maybe you kind of blend in one of those categories or two, but all of us kind of fall, we, we think the Holy Spirit uh, is weird. And, but look what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. It's really fascinating. He, just look at the personal pronouns that he uses when talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, sees him in reference to the Spirit, knows him, know him, he dwells. That four times in one sentence, Jesus makes it clear the Holy Spirit is not weird. He is not an it. He, the Holy Spirit's a person. Listen, that has massive implications for our lives if we, if we get this, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. That means the Holy Spirit has a will. 
That means the Holy Spirit has a character. That means the Holy Spirit has an intellect. That means the Holy Spirit even has emotion. Scripture says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person. And so no matter where you come from, what church tradition you come from, what side of the aisle that you are on, if you're like, this is my first time in church and this is all weird to me, you need to know the Holy Spirit is the person of God and he wants to know you and he wants to talk with you and he wants to listen to you because he's a person you can have a relationship with, amen? That's the Holy Spirit. He's not weird. He's a person. Here's the last thing. The Holy Spirit is our helper. That's Jesus. He literally names the Holy Spirit the helper. Oftentimes in scripture, we see this is the Holy Spirit's name. It comes out of this Greek word named parakletos. And it's this word that's kind of hard to translate in our English language. And so depending on what translation of the Bible you have, it may say helper, but it also may say counselor or comforter or advocate. And here's the reality, is the Holy Spirit is all those things. The Holy Spirit is exactly what you need in whatever situation, whatever situation you are in, in your victories and in your failures, at work and also at home. When your baby's crying and you're trying to change the diaper while the other kid is running around eating stuff off the floor, but also when your kid is about to turn 13 and they're talking about gender and sexuality and geometry, which is almost just as challenging. The Holy Spirit is whoever you need in that moment too. He's your advocate, counselor, comforter, helper. He is your helper. It's this all-encompassing help in your life. And so we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about how does he help us? Because here's what I know today is maybe some of you are in here. I don't think this person exists though, but maybe some of you are in here, like you're taking notes and you're like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. A sermon on the Holy Spirit. And you're so, this is like pneumatology 101. And some of you are like, I have no idea what that means. And you're fine. You're welcome here. You're fine. You don't need to know what that means. But some of you are like, man, I just want to nerd out on the Holy Spirit and be able to pontificate and like speak eloquence around the Holy Spirit. I actually don't think that person exists. Even if you think that you're that person, you got some other issues, amen? Here's why we need to talk about what this help looks like is because all of us actually need help. Some of your marriages today need help. Some of you have conflict that is just eating at you. And today's Mother's Day, so you dress nice and you made breakfast in bed and you did the thing, you're going to brunch later. But you're not gonna talk about today, but Monday comes and it's not Mother's Day and you got some things to talk about with your spouse and you need some help. Some of you with your kids, if you're honest today, you're just like, man, I do need some help. My adult kid who doesn't know Jesus, with my little kids who seem like they don't have the spirit, but maybe the spirit of Satan, I don't know. And you're just like, man, I need some help. Some of you at work, you need some help. Some of you with sin, the same sins you've been struggling with for years are still just hovering over you. And that lust and that pride and that gossip or that religious pride is just hovering over you every single day and you just need some help. And so how does the Holy Spirit help us? That's what we wanna look at today, right? So here's the first thing. Again, if you take notes, these are good things to write down. The Holy Spirit helps you in that he reveals God to you. 
Here's where I get that. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. That's in reference to the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what that means. is as you look at the words on the pages of your Bible, hopefully you pick your Bible up every once in a while and you look at the words on those pages. You shouldn't just see words on a page just like every other book. What you should see is words on a page and then woven through those words is the Holy Spirit of God who breathed those words out. Thousands of years ago, so much so that, that, that today, in 2022, with all the things that are going on in our world and all the things that are going on in culture and all the things that are going on in your life, you can pick up the word of God, breathed out by the spirit of God, and what do you say? This relates to me. God, how did you know? When I preach, Tim, how did you know? Did my wife email you? And I'm like, no, she didn't email me. The Holy Spirit of God. He wrote the word of God and it meets you where you are in your life. And and this is one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is he reveals who God is, the character and nature of God, the person and work of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit does this so well that that's why some of us forget about the Holy Spirit because he's always putting on display, hey, this is the son of God. This is who Jesus is. Hey, Hey, this is God the father. This is who he is and his very character. And he does it so well, sometimes we forget about him. But this is what he does. And he primarily does it through the words of scripture. You see, you need to know the Bible is different than any other book. Uh, Spoiler alert, in in this sermon, I'm gonna tell you as one way to be reliant upon the spirit is to read your Bible. And some of you are just gonna let that bounce right off of you. Pastor AC talked about it last week. When he was in college, he put his Bible on a shelf. And then when he left college and graduated, he picked it back up. And some of you, maybe that's your reality. Maybe it's not quite like that, but you're just like, okay, read my Bible. Okay, I know I'm supposed to do that. I should do it more than I do. Listen, did you know the Bible is different than any other book? Did you know that the, the writings of Buddha were written by Buddha? Did you know that the writings of the Quran were written by the prophet Muhammad? We could go, keep going with religious books. Did you know the, the Bible is different than that? Did you know it was written by 40 plus authors, over 1,500 years on three different continents. They weren't even in the same location or even at the same exact time period. It was 40 plus authors, 66 books, yet all communicating one message of Jesus Christ. And did you know how that happened? The Holy Spirit of God breathing out these words, inspiring these words, inspiring these people across 1,500 years, three different languages, three different continents, bringing it all together. There's no other book like that. The Spirit of God reveals the Word of God, the character of God. What would change about how you interact with your Bible if you believed that? I think we'd pick it up. I think we'd find an app and play it in our ears. I think we'd join a community group to say, how, how do we do this together? I think we'd join a men's or women's study, Colossians, Philippians, to say, uh, Titus, to see how do we do this together? How do we learn the word of God empowered by the spirit of God? You see, here's what's so crazy to me. I think as we talk about the spirit of God, as we talk about the word of God, here's the reality in church history is that many of us, we like to pit those things against one another. We do this today, even in churches, that some of us were were spirit-filled churches. 
And then some of us were, no, we're, we're word-based churches. And we kind of like to see those two duke it out. We're like, who would win? The word or the spirit? You know how silly that is? You know how silly it is that spirit-filled churches are like, those word churches, I mean, they're just not alive in Jesus. You know how silly it is that the word-based churches are like, we are expository preaching verse by verse, and they seem like they love the Bible so much, but they seem bored by the Bible. They're like, how does that work? You know how weird it is that we contrast these two things together? People, what I just heard in the Bible and just in the few verses I read is that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. They're connected at the hip. Do you see it? We should never pit them against each other. They're connected. God is in his grace. He's given you the Holy Spirit to indwell your life, to reveal God to you through the pages of scripture. And they work together. Stop trying to separate them. You need to know at our church, Phoenix Bible Church, some of you are are new. Uh, I've heard some people tell me this, uh, some other pastors, you know, like uh, they'll talk about churches in the valley and they're like, you know, like the traditional Bible churches, not like you guys. I'm like, that's kind of rude. I don't know how to take that, you know? And what they mean is like, we're not the typical like Bible church because we like walk by the spirit. I'm like, I don't think that should be the exception. Do you? Okay, I need to move on. I'm gonna get in trouble. (laughs) or run out of time. Um, The Holy Spirit reveals God. He primarily does it through the Bible. Second thing is the Holy Spirit dwells within believers. Uh, We see this in multiple places. Romans 8, 9 through 11, write that down. We see dwell three times. John 14, Jesus said it. The Spirit dwells with you now, but he is going to dwell in you. 1 Corinthians 6, a verse many of you will know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's not just a reminder not to smoke cigarettes. That's a reminder that you have, taking up residence within your life, the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what that means. Romans 8 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Again, we can kind of go through an academic study of the Holy Spirit and be like, yes, Tim, I know that. Check that one off. I learned that in Sunday school. No, no, no. Do you you see it? The same Spirit that beat what seemed to be unbeatable, death, now lives in you. And yet, how many of us, I mean, we walk in life. We face decisions and difficulty in life. We, We try to raise our kids in life. We go to work every day in life, and we act like, we don't have the Holy Spirit. You see, we face difficulties, we face doubts, and we, we just end up striving and straining to try to fix it. Fix your kid. Can you do that? Like, striving. I'm gonna read a new book, Love and Logic. That one's gonna do it. I know it. Striving, straining, fix this kid, fix this job, fix this mental health, fix this emotional health that I, fix this relationship. And we worry and we fret just like the world does. And yet, We have a helper who dwells within us, who beat death. And functionally, we tell God, like when that when that trial shows up in your life, that difficulty shows up in your life, you're like, God, I know, I know like your spirit beat death, but like this problem is really big. So I gotta handle it. And I gotta worry about it. And I gotta strategize and solve instead of surrender to your Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God who beat death? 
dwells in you. You don't have to respond. You don't have to fret about our culture. You don't have to worry about everything that comes across your desk at work and and wonder what was inferred by that when your boss said that or didn't say that. You don't have to worry about your kids and obsess about their scholarship that they're gonna receive or not receive one day. You can be confident in Christ because of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside your life. Do you know that? How would it change our lives if we lived functionally as if the Holy Spirit indwelled our very lives? What would that change about our church? One of the reasons this is one of our marks for you as a disciple, but for our church as a whole, is we want to ever keep this before us. We would love for people to see our church from the inside and the outside and say, man, I don't don't know how they do it. I mean, that guy who's the pastor, he's not that impressive. (laughs) I mean, that worship team, they're a little loud. I mean, their community groups, like it's hard to get in one, like it's confusing. (laughs) I'm just mentioning all the things that I struggle with as a pastor. Um, You know, all those things, but like, man, something, oh, the spirit seems to be working and people are becoming more like Jesus and getting healed in their marriages. And I saw some people get baptized on Easter and like, praise God that we have to think about it that way. Must be the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. I used to be a little pastoral confession. Uh, early on in ministry, man, I'd be so jealous of other pastors who just seemed like they had the perfect cookie cutter life. Like they graduated seminary because I knew those guys. They went to the big church. They, they were successful right away. And they had, a, a, they had things like a building and a budget and leaders and their family all went to their church and they just like cute pictures. And I just like loathed every one of those people. Told you it was a confession, people. Come on, have some grace for your pastor. And I used to, I used to be jealous of those guys and uh, I'm not anymore. Because our story is, is different than that and praise God for those stories as well. But I mean, our, our story is like involves me in the fetal position. Some of you have heard it and I'm not gonna tell it again right now. It involves me starting our church in the fetal position and uh, not having family or friends to help us start the church, not church planning one-on-one and being left by the mega church that started us and, and sort of getting up and awkwardly like the toddler who's left out on the street, just like walking around. I guess we'll do church and see what happens. And in the first three years being kind of clunky and we didn't know who we were and we didn't really know what we were doing. And then a few years later, we got evicted from the school we met in and, and I had to come to you and say, we got six weeks to move the church. and We need to surrender ourselves to God and pray every day at noon and see what he, he does with this and and that yet we're still here because we were led by the spirit i love our story now because it's so visible because you can't come up with another formula or crack the code or some secret sauce that this guy came up with that made all this happen it is abundantly clear the spirit of god dwells in this place and is working through this place amen that's the only way it's here That's what we're a part of. And listen, as your pastor, this is one of our marks because not just the first eight years of our church, do I want it to be this way? I want the next 80 years, amen? I don't ever wanna get comfortable where we're just like, no, but you can kind of say some cute programs. I want some good programs. We're trying to get kids ministry at the first service fully. Y'all help us. I want some cute graphics like Nathan Thomas makes our graphics, does a fantastic job. I want some amazing worship, but those things will not define us. The Holy Spirit will. That's what we invite you into. Eight years, 80 years. I gotta go way faster. 
The Holy Spirit dwells. He, he seals. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, that when you believe in Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It says he's your guarantee of your inheritance in Jesus. That many of you struggle with doubt. Many of you do struggle with ten, sins that, that have plagued you for one year, five years, 20 years. And those cause you to wonder, am I really his? Am I really gonna be with him forever? The Holy Spirit's presence in your life is the stamp of God on your life. He seals you so you don't have to wonder. He convicts you. Some of you think, that, Tim, that's not helpful. That, I don't think that's helpful. It, it is helpful. John 16, eight. The Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's the deal. Do you know how you're sitting in church today on this Mother's Day and you have not yet fully ruined your life? Do you know how that's possible? the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know how you became a Christian and were awakened to sin in your life, but also the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life? Do you know how if you leave here today and maybe you're tempted this week with a shady business deal, or you're tempted this week to just kind of budge the moral code in your life, whatever that is, you're tempted this week to flirt with somebody who's not your spouse. You're tempted this week just to give a little white lie. You know those moments where you don't do that? It's the Holy Spirit of God, not just convicting you, but rescuing you from ruining your life. I've told you before, I have this pastor in my life uh, who's still in my life and reminds me to this day, hey, Tim, we're all one mistake away from ruining our lives. And I always tell him, can you not? (laughs) This is so scary. But it's true. How do we not? How do you love your spouse? How do you celebrate mom? How do you do good deeds? How do you serve other people? The Holy Spirit convicts you. How do you, as a church, how do you give away $40,000 to Uganda knowing that you probably won't meet budget in April? (laughs) I don't know. The Holy Spirit convicts you? The Holy Spirit conviction is a help to you whether you know it or not, amen? He helps you, he convicts you, he empowers you. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says it this way, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power. Acts 1.8, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, here's what's gonna happen. You'll receive power. Here's what I know, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, is I just listed off some sins in life. Some of you, as I talk about parenting, as I talk about your work, you're just like, Yes, I need help. Like, Tim, you've made that clear. Like, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. But, but you're just like coming up with a list of things you need to do. And you're just like religious rules, like some parameters in your life for your kids, definitely. And you're exhausted even just thinking about it. You're overwhelmed, but you don't need to be. The Holy Spirit doesn't just convict you. He empowers you. You see, it's no mistake. It's the fruit of the what? Spirit. It's the gifts of the Spirit. Not the gifts of you. Not the fruit of you. The Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead working in you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to make you more like Jesus, to help you be a parent. God's gonna give you all the strength you need and it's through the Holy Spirit. He empowers you. The last thing is he unifies you. Ephesians 4, 3 
We see the unity of the Spirit. We see this put on display in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit does fall and there's little fires above everybody's head and they're speaking in tongues and we get all wrapped up in all that conversation. And what we miss is the amazing unification that happens with thousands of believers. You see, what's happening in that moment is thousands of believers from different nationalities, different ethnicities, They're all speaking in languages that they can understand. Jew and Gentile who had been separated are now joined together by the power of the Holy Spirit. He unifies. Do we need some of that same unifying help from the power of the Spirit today in 2022? Amen. That's what he does. That's how he helps. Now, I could keep going, but the worship team is staring me down right now, so I I gotta wrap this thing up. We have a long list of how the Holy Spirit helps you. But you need to know he helps you. If you have believed in Jesus, he is helping you now. He's helping you in your marriage. He's empowering you. He's convicting you of sin. Even when it's uncomfortable, he's helping you. He's helping you at work. He's helping you as you face those decisions. He's helping you, he's empowering you. He's convicting you, he seals you, he's unifying the church in the midst of a chaotic world, he's he's helping. So how do you tap into that? Here's the last thing as we close. I I think as you look at scripture, most references to the Holy Spirit, they, they give us an imagery of walking by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And that imagery is so important because it's giving us this idea of like, here's how you tap into all this help that the Holy Spirit wants to give you in your real life. You know how you do it? You just take a step. You just take a step. You just keep walking with him. You see, when my little baby girl like rolled down that hill into the bush, I'd love to tell you in that crazy season of life that in one moment, I cried out, Holy Spirit, come. And then my life was forever changed and I didn't have to rely upon the Holy Spirit ever again. Everything was easy. I love to tell you that, but that's not how it happened. In that crazy season of life, we got around the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, informed and affected by the Word of God, and we just started to walk with them. Hey, how do you do parenting? Hey, how do you love your spouse now with a kid? How do you date your spouse How do you deal with sin? And we just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, the people of God empowered by the Spirit, the Word of God, and we just begin to move in a direction of the Holy Spirit. And here's the reality for many of you. You're moving in a direction, not of the Holy Spirit, not walking with Him. You're walking in your flesh. And everything the Holy Spirit is calling you to do, hey, you need to give. Give generously. It's not your money, it's God's money. Hey, you need to love, you need to apologize to your wife. You shouldn't have said that. And you're just like, I don't think I want to do that. And you just walk in a different direction. And God, the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to you and saying, no, start walking with me. Just take a step with your wife. Just take a step with my word. Just take the study guide and start reading. Hey, just join the men's one Bible study. Hey, just take a step in this direction. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Rely upon the Holy Spirit by walking with the Holy Spirit. That's what God is calling us to. That's the kind of church God is calling us to be. And so, hey, 
some of you may think, well, this is still kind of mystical. What does this look like? We're gonna practice it right now. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna pray. But as I pray, I would just invite you right now, you can do this, everybody where you're seated, would you just open your hands? Would you just take your hands, open them up before God? Would you just do that with me? And I'm gonna pray, and I would just ask privately where you're seated. Here's one way you can resist walking away from the Spirit and start to walk with the Spirit and rely upon Him. Just open your hands and pray this with me. God, right now, I come to you, and I give you anything in my life that is resisting the power and the influence of your spirit. Just tell them that. In the name of Jesus, God, I surrender, I give anything in my life, any sin, any bitterness, any skepticism, any worry, just right now, I give you anything in my life, I surrender it to you now, that's causing me to resist your spirit. And the second thing I want you to pray with just hands open as a sign of surrender to God is, God, I I want to receive, to rely upon your Holy Spirit. Will you help me? God, I want to receive and rely upon your Holy Spirit. Will you help me now by the power of your Spirit in the name of Jesus? God, we lift up that prayer collectively to you. And God, I I don't even wanna say much because I know you're speaking right now to all these men and women in ways that you want them to stop resisting you, but to rely upon you in their marriage, in their life, in their morning routine, at work, in our church. And God, I pray just as we open our hands, it would just be a sign of, we're just gonna let some things go in the name of Jesus today. And we're just gonna surrender them before you so that we might start to walk, move in a direction of your Holy Spirit, not our flesh, ourself, our sin. God, I pray that you would use this time, that you would move in profound ways, not just in our lives, but across this church, that we might be known as a people who are indwelled, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's our prayer. We give this time to you in Jesus' name, amen.